when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ladies and gentlemen, it is that time of year again when hockey becomes the foremost thing we all wait hold on i'm being told that it's march madness starts this week okay okay fine we're, look we're not we're not a march madness podcast so we're going to focus on hockey here on biscuits colon a hockey podcast i am dave lozo i am in brooklyn where it's snowing a little bit and therefore the entire city of new york is shut down to the point where it feels like you can't get around without some sort of uh I don't know, bribery to like a cop who can take you to like an underground tunnel to get you from Manhattan to Brooklyn because God forbid the MTA operate normally when it snows, but that's it for my part of the intro. Sorry. And this is Sean. I'm in Ottawa. It's snowing right now. We've got like four or five inches and nobody cares. It's right. changed. Nobody Absolutely cares. Absolutely nothing. It's just like a normal people, day. Yeah. Your people are driving full speed in school loading zones. <laughs> that nobody cares. It's all good. Like, people can't even walk in Manhattan when it snows. Like, I'm behind, like, two people who are, like, just, like, walking on an uncovered... Uh, uh, there's no snow on the sidewalk, and they're just, like, shuffling along, like, real slow. Don't, you guys get snow, like, for <sighs> eight months. How are you not <sighs> used to it? Like, I understand when, like, South Carolina gets a dusting and they all freak out, but you guys, I think, get more snow than we do. Like, haven't... Uh, we're, we're soft. We're so soft, man. Oh, by the way, speaking of snow and ice, I don't think we talked about this last week, but apparently uh, you, Tessa, and Scott are, like are like BFF post-Olympics now. I, I I think I might have read that somewhere on the internet. That's right. Yeah, this is um, it, the, the... I tweeted... Well, Bruce Arthur tweeted something about building statues to Tessa and Scott. They're the uh, sure. ice dancers who may or may not be be more than just ice dancers. Might who, just be friends or more. For, yeah. for Canada, he, tweets, he tweeted a joke about building statues, and I tweeted back a joke, uh, which is weird, because I tweeted it just to reply to him saying that, yeah, we should put the statues one at each end of the country, and then we could all stand between them and feel the warm glow of love and affection for the first time in our entire lives. And and the tweet just took off. It went it went crazy. And I guess somebody actually at their Olympic press conference read the tweet to them. No, that's what it was? Oh, my God. I, I think it was at the press conference. It, it may have been like on a show, but, but it was it was somebody British. That was the that was how oh, crazy it was. that's even better. That's even better. Oh, jolly good, jolly good show. Scott, yeah. Scott was like, how, can I get your response to this? And and she <laughs> and she she said like, oh, that's because I think like it was sort of stripped out of the, the context of it coming from a like sarcastic hockey blogger who can't, you know, communicate <laughs> with 
genuine uh you know he, he just everything is sarcastic and embittered and it you know it was stripped out of that so she she was like oh that's so lovely and then she was and then she said something about i, I would love to meet the person who tweeted that and then oh. scott jumped in it's like, whoa, and whoa, said whoa, you know, i tweeted on. it uh. <laughs> he was trying to take credit which normally there's nothing that annoys me there's very little that annoys me more on twitter than people who steal your jokes and take credit for them yeah. but i feel like this is the one exception like if that's if that's what does it if that's what finally brings these two crazy kids together then i'll he can he can have the tweet it's like high school where like you like she likes him but he's he's reticent so she like she uses you to make him jealous and then they get together and you're just like ducky from uh, that 80s movie that 80s people like pretty pretty I, yeah, pink i'll I, I i'll take i'll take ducky for for this one i'd be in that like if if i can get if i can be what brings these two together i'll get i'll get my face on like a canadian bill I, I i love how i love how like you're you're you you know you're you're kind of like me probably not to the same extent but you're you're sarcastic on twitter you you've you haven't had a real emotion or feeling in a real long time much right. like much like me and yet when you do your sarcastic tweet everyone strips out the sarcasm and it, and it becomes this beautiful message of love for canada's uh, sweethearts, and when I do it, when I say, "Who cares about yeah. Alex Ovechkin's 600 goals?" because Jonathan Taves and Sidney Crosby have just one goal, and that's winning a Stanley Cup. Everyone takes that seriously. No, no one sees yes. the joke in those tweets. And then I'm very angry. Just every oh, time, it's great. About once a week, you tweet something, and I see it, and I go, "This is the tweet <laughs> that Dave has made it so obvious that he's joking." that nobody will be able to misinterpret this. Nobody will bite. And either get mad or think that Vince Scully really said it <laughs> or it went or think this is a real movie script or whatever it is. Yep. And I'm always every single time yeah. Twitter comes through with That's right. I did I did a I did a shape of water script where like the whole joke was just like fish sex and somebody was like <laughs> yeah. is, is this real? Yes, this is this is really this is really what it was. But I, I, I'm like you, where I, I think Alex Ovechkin's fantastic. I think 600 goals in this day and age is as good as 700 or 800 back in a day when goaltenders didn't know how to stand up on their two feet for more than four minutes without falling down. I think it's fantastic. I don't blame Alex Ovechkin for you know, his team not being able to ever get out of the second round because he has really good playoff numbers. He just runs into you know Crosby. He runs into Lundqvist. He, he runs into... Nick Backstrom feeling like a series is over when he's down three one and he gives up mentally. That's not his fault. So um, it's a pretty cool. It's a pretty cool milestone, and it's kind of it's kind of funny how during the game last night too, which I thought was kind of weird because like in baseball, if a guy hits five hundred home runs, like everyone comes out of the dugout, they're all like, "Hey, buddy, nice job!" And he scored six hundred, and they were just kind of like, "Eh, yeah." I I I wrote a thing about this a few weeks ago, uh, because like we stopped doing that at some point. There was. Brett Hall, we did it where, for, right? I remember Brett Hall yeah, getting a when, number when and we did it. when somebody set a record or a milestone, like we stopped the game. It was the, the team of Solani. When he broke uh, Mike Bossy's uh, record for goals by a rookie, which was, you know, I mean, that's a single season record. That's not even a career milestone. They emptied the bench and stopped the game to present him with like a golden stick. <laughs> And we don't really do like I feel like when one of the Sedins got his thousand point, like I think they may have emptied the bench for that, but they they don't. Yeah, they they certainly don't. We don't do like the make the owner come out and like give the guy a plaque and 
Gary Bet the best the best ever was and and you know obviously this was this was a huge milestone but when Gretzky set the scoring record and like Gary Bettman came out and gave him a scrapbook. I don't remember that at like, all. Wait, yeah, wait, like un- the, the when he passed how in points or when he scored the eight hundred and whatever goal. I want to say it was the points. Yeah, that's a big one. Uh, and and I can't even remember if it was if it was the record or if he like it was when he hit the two thousand milestone. But it was something and like Bettman was brand new as commissioner, <laughs> and he came out and he's Strap. like, and we have a special gift and like everyone's like looking past him to like see like the the car that's going to drive out or whatever, and and Bettman pulls out like basically a scrapbook of like newspaper articles about Wayne Gretzky <laughs> and Gretzky's looking at him like, dude, like my mom already has one of these. This, <laughs> it, uh, it's, it's just a classic moment. I, it, it, it's, I think it's still on YouTube. I hope it was a few years ago, but yeah, I, I think we need to bring back everybody, pour off the bench, stop the game, make the other team sit there yeah, for 10 minutes, right. a little ceremony. And like the, the, like the Winnipeg Jets, they all knew what it was. They all, they're, they have, the internet they know how many goals Ovechkin has and when he scored the 600 they kind of like gave him a few minutes or a few seconds at least to kind of wave to the crowd and all that so like they were prepared for something yeah. and the caps were just like eh, eh. it's only two to one clear sign that they don't like and respect him hate him he's a bad captain bad def- this bad defense why, this is why he doesn't win drifter doesn't doesn't skate doesn't skate hard in his own zone that's what it is that's the clear and obvious take that i get from this is they should trade alex Ovechkin after the season because he's not a winner He's not a winner. I mean, look, uh, who would you rather have, Alex Ovechkin or Trevor Lewis? I mean, who? who who's your guy? Who's your guy? Who's, who's got the rings? Who's That's got the question. rings? Oh my God! Do you think he gets? Uh, to, do, you, do you think he actually gets to Gretzky's number? Everyone thinks he does. I don't. I think he's kind of having a like a, a I don't fluky not fluky season, but to Gretzky, yeah, I don't like he'll get the seven hundred. Yeah, it's, it's not fluky season, and he's like his style, like he's. You know, he's not a guy who scores based on like speed and and I, I, I don't know if I say athleticism. It's you know, like it, it's it's it, like you could see him aging well because yeah. it's the hockey sense and the shot, and in theory that that shouldn't fade. So, but I mean, he's got got a long way. I mean, two hundred more goals to get to what did Gretzky finish with eight like high 800s right so he's got almost 300 goals to go was it 879 I want to say yeah I don't think I'm thinking 802 but that was how that was breaking Howe's record and then he kept going the it yeah it's going to be question how high does he get that and then even if you adjust for era he gets he he gets uh he could finish second there too to how which is really an unfair comparison because how played for forever so it's like it's it's amazing. Like he, he, I'm very willing to accept arguments that he's the greatest goal scorer ever. Hmm. Like I don't, I, I I don't know for sure whether I believe that's true, but I don't think it's at all an outrageous case to try to make. Like I am all for Alex Ovechkin preventing the aging process by just you know. Just, just drowning himself in meldonium. Whatever he's got to get, you know. Just let him, just let him keep scoring. I don't care anymore. I've, I've lost, I've lost the ability to get on the pulpit and be like, no, I don't care. Like, like hit, 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 hit 110 home runs in a season. Score 90 goals when you're 42. I, I don't care anymore. I, it's, I'm, 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 I'm beaten down by the last two years in America where nothing matters anymore. So I think that should just translate over to hockey. Let him and Nick Backstrom just, just fill up on. Like steroids, like the like the Kevin Nealon steroid Olympics from the old SNL sketch. Like just have him and Backstrom play till they're fifty. I don't care. Russians can do whatever they want. Yeah. So he, yeah, he'll he'll be up there. Where 
Let me ask you this. I read last year, I read an excellent book that ranked the top 100 players. Oh, who, who, who what was it about? Who wrote it? I, it, was, it was like an ebook, and it was, it was fantastic. I believe it's still on Amazon. I think if you search 100 best NHL players. Hmm. Interesting. I would recommend it. I'll look that fantastic up. gift. It's got to be. It's got to be a book written by like three people because like one person couldn't just no exactly tackle it's, all it's, that. Yeah, it's it. It was it, it, three fantastic writers got together. Anyways, okay. They had Ovechkin seventeen. Do you think? Do you move him up at this point? <sighs> do you happen to remember who those guys said were like fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen? Yeah. Let me. Let me just pull it up because yeah. for, for some strange reason I have their master list uh, saved on my computer. Well, that's good. Cause I, right, I, let me give you the names I had. Here's, here's the names we had ahead of Alexander Ovechkin. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had yeah. uh, Jacques Plant 16, mm-hmm. Eddie Shore, 15, Sidney Crosby, 14, Patrick Waugh, 13, yeah. Beliveau and Hasek. And then you get into the top 10. Yeah. Like you're, you're like, I mean, like, I don't know if I would put him ahead of Crosby. I wouldn't put him ahead of Crosby, so there's no there. And then it's, you know, like, how do you com- it's hard to compare Ovechkin to a goalie from, like, the Harry Truman era. You right. know, like, it's just, I don't know See, if that's I it. Like, it's, it's one of those things where you hear 17, you go, well, he's got to be higher. Yeah. But then you look at who's, like, the forwards ahead of him are Crosby, Beliveau, Esposito, Bobby Hall, and then Richard Lemieux, How Gretzky. Like I don't right. push him ahead of any of those guys. We already had him ahead of Bossy. Had him ahead of Jagger. Boy, it's I it's mean, I, I think. it sounds like you're telling me that this list that these people did has aged extremely well. And it, it still is relevant today. But hmm. but there's one you know, the one thing that I didn't like about it, it, mm-hmm. it has this this guy that this Evgeny Malkin guy heard of him is on the list. Oh, where really? I, you know, according to the NHL, he's not like they have him like in the fifties, and according to the NHL, he's not even top one hundred. So that's fucking oh god. That's is Malkin in the MVP race now? I keep having people try to make the case that he's now the front runner, and I feel like eh. we, he wasn't even in the race a week ago. I so know this... because he because he's now closer. To the, that's all people do is they look at who has the most points, and then they just bait. They just assume. Like I saw, I saw a tweet that said something like in his last. I'll get the numbers wrong, but like in his last 28 games, he has like 45 points. And in Taylor Hall's last 28 games, he has like 37 points. And the tweet's like, well, who's the MVP? Well, let's see. Let's see who Evgeny Malkin plays with on the power play and at five on five and who Taylor Hall plays with. And, and then compare what seven points over 28 games means in terms of the difference. Like, I just, you know what? I, I get it. You don't want to punish guys for playing with, with great players, but. That's why they have the Ted Lindsay. That's why there's two different awards. This whole thing where it's like, why don't we just change the MVP to the yeah, best but, player? We have but that. But we have two different awards because one is for the players to vote on and one's yeah. for the media. But not, still, they're but not they're not meant to be. But they're different awards, though. They're term- they have different they're, wording to them. Yeah. Most, but, most yeah. valuable no, player to his team. My, my thing with Malkin is like, I seem to remember the first half of the season, people were talking that Phil Kessel should be in the MVP because yeah. conversation because he was carrying the Penguins while Crosby and Malkin were not not slumping, but you know by their standards were. were Kessel was top Crosby. five in scoring for a while before yeah. this whole last you know month and a so half or so. It's like he wasn't the MVP of his own team in the first half, <laughs> and you know over the like if you let whoever the Penguins play in the playoffs, if you found some obscure rule where you're like you actually get to pick one player on the Penguins who can't play in the series. They're going to pick Crosby still, so he's not 
the best player on his own team. He's not, I, I don't know. I mean, there's still, there's the case to be made. But yeah, you're right. Like, I don't know. I still struggle with this. Like, what is most valuable? If it's if it's just a case of if you take this guy off the team, what happens? Then the Penguins are still pretty good without Malcolm. Whereas I, the Avalanche or the Devils or whoever probably fall apart without their guys. Like, yeah, that's that's kind of why I like the MVP. You kind of have to think about it. You just can't go, well, Nikita Kucherov has X, X amount of points more than this guy, so he's more valuable. Like, is he better? Yeah, sure. Really, really think about it and really crunch the numbers for only the forwards. Yeah. <laughs> While completely ignoring defensemen and goalies unless they do something. Eric Carlson probably should have gotten the Conn Smythe last year. How about that? How about that for a take? Eric Carlson, yeah, who, a take. whose team didn't get to there's the Stanley Cup final, probably deserved the Conn Smythe. Well, you know what? I'd, I'd tell you that you're being ridiculous, but I'm sure at some point I argued that Doug Gilmore should have won the Conn Smythe in 93. So, Right. Um, I'm with you. I'm just saying. It I'm just, with you. It's hard. By the way, did you see, just speaking of Eric Carlson, I, I, like, I just tweeted this out. I don't know if you saw it. There was a article here in the paper in Ottawa. Uh, and it's it's an article about Bobby Ryan and basically how he's dealing with the fact that he was in all these trade rumors and everyone's talking about his contract. And it was kind of, I don't want to say it was a, a fluff piece, but it was it was sort of, it was a feature. It was kind of like, how does, how does this, what does this do to a player's head? But then like just buried in it is this mention where he's like, yeah, on Sunday... Uh, Eric and I were told that we were traded to the Western to a Western Conference team, but then it fell apart. Oh, and he's like, we we were we were like joking, like we got to go pack because it's done. And that was that it. seems like kind of a big thing, right? Like yep. it was just like a, it was just like a like a side anecdote in the story about it was, how tough it, it was. Is. Like it was like part of his lead, but it was kind of like yeah, just it like the focus of the story wasn't holy crap, this deal came that close to happening. It was more like uh, crazy things you've you go through when you're a when you're a hockey player but yeah so i and which is interesting to me because every time i write anything about eric carlson being traded i hear from senator fans telling me that this is just something that the media has made up yeah right because they want they want ratings and they want this and that and they're being mean to the senators but apparently well according to bobby ryan or at least according to what he heard the day before the trade deadline not so much well, as you and I both know, that the key to getting a lot of clicks on your stories is to write about the Ottawa Senators because when you have a fan base <laughs> that just that just fills up the internet like the way the Ottawa Senators do. By the way, I love that the fact that they haven't traded him now has, has pretty much cost them three points in the standings because Ottawa beat Dallas in overtime on an Eric Carlson breakaway goal, and then last night in Florida, Eric Carlson had a really good game, and they beat Florida in Florida. So that's three points they probably wouldn't have had, and they'd be two points, I think, closer to 31st and that much closer to Darlene. But, but hey. Can't wait. My, my favorite moment of, is, is not the actual draft lottery, but immediately after when you can go through and figure out what mm-hmm. game screwed some team out <laughs> of like the first overall pick or whatever. Like that's... My favorite, I, I do a, an article every year where I, and it's just like twisting the knife on all these fan bases where you're like, hey, remember you were really happy when you won this game? Yeah, if you hadn't won that game, you would have got Connor McDavid or you would have got Austin Matthews. And uh, my favorite one ever is the Patrick Stefan missed open net. Remember against the oh, Oilers? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That ended up costing them Patrick Kane. Well, so, so, so what you're saying is, is, is it worked out? It worked out beautifully because, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, which is, you know, it's, it's terrible because I mean, such, 
so rough for the Oilers to have that bad luck when it comes to draft lotteries to just miss out on something like that. Where, where do you come down on this whole idea of a team can't win the draft lottery two years in a row? Like, I hate it. I hate the idea that like, like you're you're punished because you you know you you finished thirty first and you won the draft lottery in a year where it was like nail Yakupov was the first guy as opposed to Connor well, McDavid. Like, I, there is there I is hate that, that, but. But no, I'm I'm I they I think they should have that rule because the idea behind the reason we have the draft set up the way we do and the lottery and everything is to help the bad teams. So spread out the help. Like you shouldn't be able to win. It it, it should be you win the lottery, you can't win it again for two or three years or whatever. Because it's like the giving the the best draft picks to the worst teams, it's like having a soup kitchen, right? Like you're you're helping out the those who need the help. Well, you know, if you get your meal at a soup kitchen, you can't cut back in line in front of everyone else and get seconds. Like, no, you hold off, wait until we've helped everyone who needs it. And if you're still finishing last year after year after year, you've got bigger problems and you don't need charity from the league. You need something other than that. So, yeah, this and and part of me hopes the Oilers win the lottery again, just so that we can listen to the NHL who could have changed this years ago go oh maybe we should have changed it and then not change it again so there you have it sean says if you're homeless for more than a year get your crap together because you should you should have figured <laughs> it, it out by then that's it get, that's get, exactly what i'm saying get out of sean's soup kitchen with your with your sob story about work and life because sean thinks you should have figured it out with the year's worth of soup kitchen right. that he gave you the year before i'm gonna slop down some nail yakupov on your plate <laughs> and you will take it and you will be happy the nhl do the nhl it's it's so funny to me because the nhl has like they create their own problems where like okay we have a draft lottery and then some team wins the draft lottery three years in a row and they're just like oh this sucks we gotta change the draft lottery rules when like you just don't have a draft lottery just whoever finishes 31st picks first this way you know the the odds to me the odds of a team finishing dead last three years in a row are probably not as good as finishing like 31st 30th 31st or 31st and then winning the the lottery the tanking is what scares them. That's yeah. and and like you look at what's happening in the NBA, they don't love it. Which which has a better lottery system, but yeah, I don't know. There's just go to the gold plan. That would be so much better. I don't understand why they don't do that. Well, I do. I understand because it's different and scary, and somebody somewhere would complain. But it would be so much better if we just did it based on points after elimination. Well. The uh the Carolina Rod Francis uh subprime loan o- owner guy thing happened kind of right after we did our podcast last week. So I, I I basically vented on the other podcast about the whole thing. Like to me it's more it's more about um the coaching, I think, than than the than right. the general managing and yeah, Scott Darling stinks. But again, I don't know if you saw the Ranger game last night, but I didn't see the last three goals, but the first three goals are all these just uh, Justin Falks drifting in the zone. He lets Mad Zuccarello have an easy rebound goal. It's a tic-tac-toe playoff, a face-off. It's a deflection. The team dominates shot, shot totals and shot metrics, but they just give up so many grade-A chances. To me, that that's a coaching thing, but yeah, you know. But apparently he loves the coach. Apparently the coach is safe. We're yeah. told. He, he, Which, you know what it is? He, he he might just look at the numbers and be like, "Wow, we're out shooting teams. We're out attempting teams by this many games." You know, it's it's, it's got to be. It can't be the coach. It's got to be the talent that's not finishing and the talent that's not making saves. Which you can say for. I'm not saying Rob Francis is untouchable, but I don't know. Well, I just, here's here's how I look at it. Like, strip aside the fact that it's Ron Francis. 
Okay, Don. greatest player in franchise history. All well, that. So. Was he was he on that list that those three guys did? I forget it. What we what what they decided on. I think he I think he made it on that list, right? He was like ninety seventh or something. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. He was. He okay. Was, he was on there. I, I think, but he's just 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 imagine he's he's just a GM. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just he, he's he's he's. We're we're just gonna. He's just John. Judge Fra- him. He's John Francis. He's just a guy named John, John Francis. Francis. Sure. He's John Francis. He's just some guy who was you know hired out of. Yeah, you know, he was. He, he had been the assistant and for the Lightning, and he came over and and he's been GM for four years. Didn't make the playoffs at all, any of the four years. Never made a trade of any real significance. Never a player for player trade of any significance. Mm-hmm. Um is on the road, you know, that the team once again isn't going to make the playoffs this year. His big bet on a goaltender didn't work. Like it yeah, that's that totally. gets GMs fired. Totally. I mean, that's that's what happens as a as a GM and, you know, it, it was the reaction there was so much reaction from like media and and uh, you know, especially media that I saw that, that were like aghast that this new owner would come in and do this. And you know, grant you Doing it in the middle of the season is a little bit weird, but you know, you want to do you want to be ready to hit the ground running in the off season, or do you want to spend the first month of your off season interviewing candidates? Then you know, like it's it's yeah. To it's me, fair. it's fair on the merits. You know, I don't I don't root for anyone to get fired, but yeah, I mean, what had he done in his almost four seasons on the job that would make you say this is the guy to break our now whatever nine-year playoff drought uh i don't know you know and you know not like he had a great track record of success in front offices somewhere else because there wasn't one i i wasn't I, i mean i was surprised only by the timing the fact that it happened right to you know right in the middle of the season but like i'd written literally the day before that happened i had written pretty much exactly what was going to happen that this new owner coming in might decide that you know you can't fire ron francis so you kick him upstairs and you get a new set of eyes in i didn't think it was going to happen the very next day but it uh i i wasn't i wasn't surprised and i was surprised that people felt surprised because if if we're just surprised because it's ron francis then that's even a better reason not to bring back these legend franchise legends to sit in your front office because if not only are they sometimes not qualified, but if you can't even fire them when they're not doing well, then hmm. I don't know. See, I think Ron Francis screwed up by not firing Bill Peters at the beginning of the season after he got Scott Darling and it wasn't working out. Because, I mean, same. Bill Peters is kind of the same thing. Like He's been there for – this is his fourth year, I want to say. He's been there forever. Not forever, but he's been there a long time. And they he's been there long enough that, to, yeah, to, he's – To he's... at least warrant – like, because if you're a GM, like you have, a, you have a certain amount of bullets in your chamber, and you fired one with the Scott Darling trade, and it wasn't working, and you have one more left, and it's firing your coach. And I don't think anybody would have minded if they fired him and brought in somebody else. But the thing that I'm surprised well, by too in the in the aftermath is how how quickly everyone is just so willing to get on board with the new billionaire owner's plan, even though they don't really know what it is. Like Nick Kiprios was on whatever hockey night in Canada roundtable discussion show thing that you guys have up there and he was just like yeah the i'm told that he didn't like the fact that ron francis wasn't a critical thinker like 
Jesus, like you're you're just you're just. I mean, like like don't get me wrong. Like we make jokes about, or I make jokes about Eugene Melnick stealing organs. It's not like I'm I'm. It's it's like it's, I'm I'm not, I'm not above that sort of stuff. But it's just amazing how like serious hockey insiders are so willing to just knife knife Ron Francis when no one said anything about Ron Francis being a bad GM up until a week ago. That's what that's what surprises me. Yeah, I don't. I mean, yeah. I I wonder. I you mentioned Bill Peters. I wonder if maybe that was part of the rift between them if if yeah. if the owner loves peter so much i wonder if ron francis did try either try to play that card or suggest that you know hey we may need to look for a new coach and and the owner says uh eh, i don't think we are i don't know I, it's going to be interesting to see who they can pull into that job because you know that there's they, they've got some really interesting names that they're apparently talking to there's only 31 of these jobs in the league so you know obviously guys are going to be interested but when you've got this new owner who apparently wants to be hands-on, who apparently has already made a decision on the coach, which would normally be the GM's job, I, I don't know. I, I wonder if they get the grade A candidates or if some people maybe even go in and interview and, and talk to them and then say, you know what, uh, I'm going to hold off and wait for the Montreal job or whatever else. Well, we're halfway home. It's that time of the show when we take a break and then we come back and then we'll talk about, I don't know, I don't know what we're going to talk about. We'll, we'll decide when we get back. It's a big surprise. It's a, it's a, we don't even know what we're going to talk about. We could talk about maybe Blake Wheeler is the MVP of the league, but we're not going to do that, but we'll be right back. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is usually an Ottawa Senators podcast because that's what it is. It's an Ottawa Senators podcast. We've already discussed Eric Carlson. I mentioned Eugene Melnick and the Oregon thing already, even though it was kind of indirectly. We didn't really get into it. But let's let's focus on Ontario's other team, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, that 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 team is so set up to be really good in the future. And this is a thing I was just texting a friend with this morning on the way here. Is I, I feel like Toronto is still in the honeymoon period, even though people were kind of freaking out there when they were when they were really bad for like five weeks. And oh no, what's going on? And then Freddie Anderson got out, and we kind of forgot about it. But this team has this year anyway maybe next year too depending on what they do they have about eight to nine million dollars tied up in Patrick Marlowe and Matt Martin which feel like Lou Lamarillo guys like that's those are two guys he wants to bring in for toughness and and leadership and you know Patrick Marlowe is going to have the worst season of his career essentially since he was a rookie and Matt Martin has I think the the Leafs have been way better when he's been scratched so at some point I think you're going to want to have that eight million bucks to spend on stuff in the next two years and you're you're not going to have it and I, I don't know I don't know I don't know how you as a as a as a diehard Senators fan feel about this you, <laughs> I'm assuming you're enjoying it yeah well I, I mean I I am enjoying it. it's it's such it's been such a weird season for the Leafs because they've been locked into basically finishing third in the Atlantic 
almost all year long. So there's been no drama around them making the playoffs, but also no drama around like, you know, can they, can they finish first, take the division, this, this sort of thing. I've never heard a Canadian say drama before. I, I didn't realize that was like, your, it weird? That it was, it's like, it's like your past is. I didn't really, I never, I never, I never picked up on that. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> there's uh yeah. There, um, so I didn't mean to make you feel self-conscious. Say, 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 yeah, say drama. Now, yeah. now I gotta, now I gotta choose all, <laughs> all my words carefully. Um, it's been a weird season, but like I was looking at it and I, I don't know they, they lost a few games uh, before they beat Pittsburgh. So this might not be the case anymore, but at one point they were on pace to actually have a franchise record for points in a season, which is kind of a fake record because we've got the loser point now and shootouts and it's, it's not the same as it would. But I mean, at the same time, you would think a franchise <laughs> that had been around for a hundred years wouldn't be setting its all time points record in a year where they just kind of finish third and everyone's like, eh, you know, just sort of shrugs, but, but they might, you're right. The honeymoon is kind of still there. It's, it's going to be, if they lose in the first round of the Bruins, that's when the honeymoon will kind of officially end, especially if they lose like in five games and everyone's like, Oh wow, we really aren't as close as we think we are. So like Marlowe has no goals in six games and like Jake Carter gets run over. Marlowe's been fine. I mean, he's he's not he's not killing you. Know, you're you, right. But... He's he's not he's not killing it, but he's he's you know he's still he's okay. I mean, he's not what you were worried about when the signing first happened, which is he'd show up and you'd be like, oh, this guy's old, and we've got three years left of him. Like he's still he's still got the speed. He's he's playing more of like a third line role. He's been okay, and he's got two years left after this one. But we all know the third year, he's just going to disappear somewhere like that. They will find a way. Think so. The contract is structured in such a way that he'll get uh, like loaded into a, like a meat <laughs> freezer somewhere in the depths of the ACC and, and never heard from again and, or trade it to the coyotes, like something like that. Yeah. yeah. will end up happening. Matt Martin. Uh, yeah. Martin's a bad, he's a bad contract, but he's a bad fourth line contract. I feel like, most teams probably have something like that. What they should have done is they, he should have been exposed in the expansion draft. That was the mistake they made because they ended up losing, uh, you know, a, a, an okay young player when they could have just could have just exposed him. Who did they lose again? I forget who they uh, Leipzig, uh, the, the guy who just got traded. Oh, to right Vancouver to Vancouver. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And is and is doing well in you know a couple couple of games there. But uh, so you know it's it's yeah it's been okay. But then the the thing that's kind of looming over all this is the front office situation because Lamorello's in the last year of his deal and nobody seems to really know what the plan is and who's going to be the GM going into the off season. And there's been a lot of talk lately that Lamorello is, is, is actually not necessarily in the last year of his deal, but that his deal specifies this is his last year's GM and then he can stick around as a consultant or what have you. And who knows if he actually does, because that was, what he was supposed to do in New Jersey too. And he bolted for, for Toronto at the first chance that he got. But the, the question now is what's the succession plan and, and does Brandon Shanahan already know who the next GM is? And is it Kyle Dubas? Who's the young kind of analytically minded guy? Uh, or is it Mark Hunter? Who's this, the more old school scout type of guy. And apparently both guys want the job. Mm-hmm. Apparently it's, it's, you know, it's not like one guy's happy to let, you know, be out of the spotlight. They, they both uh, reportedly feel like they're ready. 
uh, Dubas has been has his name kind of thrown around a little bit with other openings. Like he was, there was talk that the Avalanche wanted him last year. There's his his name is kind of it's it's been mentioned with the Hurricanes, but I don't think he's being interviewed. I don't think the Leafs are letting him interview, which suggests, and there have been reports that he's the next GM, that that's the plan. Uh, at which point, does that mean that Mark Hunter leaves? Does Hunter go somewhere else where he feels like, you know, I mean, Kyle Dubas is like, I mean, this he's, he's like 23 years old. He's going to be around for a while. So, uh, you know, it's not like, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to have to wait in line behind Lou Lamorello. It's another thing to have to wait in line behind somebody much, much younger at the very beginning of their career. Maybe Mark Hunter goes somewhere else. Like th- this is kind of the one thing where as a Leaf fan, if you're really like, if you're feeling that absence of stress and that absence of worry, this is where you can go to get it because the, the <laughs> roster looks good. It's young. It's, the the stars are, are pretty much all locked in. The coaching is all set for the next five years with Babcock. It's that front office and, and that things seem like they're working well, but it's, it's not out of the question that a few months from now, Lou Lamorello will be either gone or at least not a GM anymore. Mark Hunter could be gone. And now the whole show is being run by this very, very smart up and coming front office guy who has no direct hands-on experience and suddenly doesn't have all these veteran voices around him. Uh, how hard so, could it be, though? I mean, like if like Kyle Dubas, yeah. he was he was the GM of an OHL team, right? So I mean, how how much different yeah. could it be? You sit in a chair. How hard could it be to be an NHL GM? It's like, probably I mean, easy. You, just, uh, you know, you don't make trades. Right. You don't sign offer sheets. You go golf for two days in Florida a couple times a year with your buddies. Yeah, and and vote to keep the loser point and <laughs> not to change any rules at all. By the way, how about, so how about you walk into a meeting, you thumbs up to everything. You walk out, you make. Five terrible decisions on July first, and, and and you're all set. And you're all set for August. You head out to you head out to Alberta. You you, you go to your ranch and you put your feet up and you you just sip some cool drinks and then you you come back and you do it all over again in the next year. It's a yeah. it's a ah oh, it's a beautiful job. It's just it's 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 going to be interesting to see how that plays in Toronto because it's funny because on the one hand, if if you were a fan of any other team and you had an opening for your GM or you you didn't like your current GM. Kyle Dubas is exactly the sort of guy you'd want to be on your team's radar. You know, young guy, fresh thinker, you know, understands the, you know, the modern get all this stuff. You'd be like, put that guy on the top of the list. But when it's your team moving him up, you're suddenly kind of like, ah, geez, I don't know. I kind of, I know. Right. But you know, and, and the other thing, and this, this is unfair because this has absolutely nothing to do with, with Kyle Dubas, but the Leafs did go down this, let's bring in the young bright mind, without a lot of experience road years ago with John Ferguson and that didn't work out very well. And you wonder if that kind of hangs over things. And and since then it's been Brian Burke. And then, I mean, there was known as for a few years and then over to Lamarillo. So I don't know you wonder if the fans are going to be nervous about it. I, I think it's still the honeymoon period. So I think fans would be absolutely fine with however this works out, but suddenly it becomes okay. If, if, some of these moves start getting made because they have some tough decisions to make this off season. It'll be interesting to see if like, if Toronto can kind of just stay cool here and enjoy that you've got a pretty well run thing happening or whether our natural instinct to just panic and overreact to everything kicks in and has this, has this uh, losing our minds over 
over this front office switch that presumably is coming. One of the things, or actually the thing that surprised me the most in the NHLPA uh, player poll thing was not that like, you know, players value grit and hard work over actual talent and all that stuff. I was surprised. Well, they didn't have talent wasn't on the list of yeah. things they could choose from. It was it, well, was it, was, it not, was it not on the list or was it like one of the options that was just like, you know, maybe below the top, top five? five. Yeah. But the, the fact that like 80% of players love the playoff format blows my mind man like it absolutely well, the, the, the point format i think it was was it the point format or was it the playoff it was, format? yeah it was it was the the way that the point the basically the loser point they they had oh you're right was, yeah 80 which that didn't surprise me because it's the right. same as the gm like uh, wh- who wouldn't want magic loser <laughs> point fairy to show up and <laughs> you know like hey you guys have lost four in a row well yeah we have but we got two points in the process so you can't can't bag skate us too much i would expect i, I was if surprised that 20 percent of players have figured out that the loser point is garbage and we're willing to say that huh. well but, uh, yeah that, no, that, the, that hurt that hurt that hurts my segue into the whole bad playoff format thing that's going to screw pretend your pretend that they also like yeah. the they, pro- they probably do. They, they like. I feel like players don't think that deeply about stuff like that. They just play, and whoever's in front of them, they play. So they don't yeah. really care. And they're they're going to be fine with, you know, until it directly. They're they're like everyone in the NHL. Unless it directly hurts your team, right? You don't care. <laughs> Nobody has any sort of forward thinking about like what's best for the league as a whole. It's just. Like there's there's hockey leagues out there now that are like you know what if you're if you win your conference you can pick whoever you want to play and in the NHL it's like well if you have the third most points guess what you might play the team with the second most points in the first round and everyone's just like eh, sure division rivalry whatever yeah. who cares it's so I, it's I think it's bad for fans too because it, it, it's bad for teams because honestly the Capitals probably get out of the second round at some point if they don't have to play, face the best team you know what I mean like they they kept running into the Penguins in the second round in the last couple of years when they probably shouldn't have and now Toronto like it, it's it's gonna it, that, like if they lose to Boston which I don't think is a for sure thing at all whether Boston's healthy or not it, like that's gonna that's gonna like 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 I want Toronto's hangover or honeymoon to end on the right terms I want them to get like bounced in like the second round by a beatable team and then they lose that series at five i don't want them to lose to a team that's slightly better than them when they shouldn't play them yet like that's unfair you know what it is unfair but i, I gotta be honest this, it doesn't bother me as much as it does other people and maybe it should because this year uh you know it, it, it the leafs are the team that's gonna potentially lose out because of this and other years it's been other teams and tampa I, too tampa's gonna have to play a team before they should tampa's gonna play the worst team in the east and they're gonna play the second best team in the but, east in the here's, second round. here's here's the thing here's here's why it doesn't bother me as much there's so much parody there's so much like i know we always get into this well you know the two the second best team in the conference is going to have to play the third best team and meanwhile the fourth best team is only going to have to play the seventh best team and yeah that doesn't make sense when you phrase it like that but we're the difference between those teams is so slim mm. that, and ultimately, and I know it does matter. Look, if you going out in the first round versus going out in the second round, that does matter. It's it's experience, it's revenue for the team, it's fun for the fans. It's being taken away from you, but ultimately, the goal is to win the Stanley Cup. You got to go through all these teams to get there. No, you don't have to. That's the thing is that those teams or similar, or you either got to go through these teams or teams that were good enough to beat those teams. Like, would you rather play Boston or Philly in the first round? Come on, I'd rather I'd rather play Philly. Right. But if you're going to win the Stanley Cup at some point, you know you're going to go through Boston, or you're going to go through Tampa, or you're going to go through Pittsburgh or Washington. Like, there's there's so many 
it, it's it's not like the old days where the best team had 120 points and meanwhile there was a team with like 65 sneaking into the playoffs it, it's everybody's so close and you know i i'd liked what the league tried to do going yeah. the division it format a, it, was a, it was a good thought i, I was kind of on board with the, the two. rivalries yeah. yeah it it hasn't really worked for two reasons and and you know one of which we probably should have seen coming and maybe the other one we couldn't have it but reason number one is that rivalries just aren't good anymore there's <laughs> the, the you know a a, a a norris division rivalry in 1991 was a rivalry you know like that was like yeah give me give me blues and blackhawks give me leafs and red wings like hook it into my veins let's go that was great show give me give it to me every year because the teams hated each other and it was a gong show are you saying are you saying that's not as good as florida toronto is that what you're telling me yeah it's it's i mean even i mean what even is the best rivalry I don't know. I don't know. Well, I don't know. I what, what's on? What's on NBC tomorrow? I, 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 that, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Whatever, whatever, whatever that game is. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, Carolina, Nashville, Boston, Washington. <laughs> but it. But, and then the other problem, in addition to rivalries not not really being as good, is that there is a difference between you know it was one thing when there were five teams in a division, and four of them played each other every year with eight teams in a division there's the, the number yeah. of combinations is so much right which is so much more that you don't get necessarily the same kind of oh, it's the same teams facing each other every year because that you know that is what builds a rivalry that's what uh you know it, it and and rivalries in hockey are great but i'm just not sure that they're they they can be what they used to be so maybe it doesn't make sense to to keep trying to force them. Maybe it makes sense to go to one through eight, but here's the thing. You go to one, one through eight in the conferences, you're still going to get screwed up playoff matchups compared to just yeah. going one through 16. Like the Southeast would always screw it up because it's, like Florida yeah. won their division with like 84 points. Like I know it's, it's always been screwed up through history. There is, you can go through the entire history of the NHL. The, the playoffs have never been fair. They have never been. Even when there were only four teams in the playoffs, which you'd think would be impossible to screw up. Like, how hard is that? One versus four, two versus three. And Five and play six. In the final. Home, yeah. That's not what they did. They went one versus three and two versus four. <laughs> Why? Nobody knows. It's the NHL. But they did. You know? Then they expanded and they added six more teams and they put all those six expansion teams in the same division so that one of them got a guaranteed trip to the Stanley Cup. It's been, you know, other than the couple of years where they actually did one through 16 in like the late seventies, early eighties, they actually had that. Um, but then you do that and everybody complains about the travel and the time zones and, and, and this oh, and that. So travel, oh, you know, my, I, my feeling is it's, it's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be even satisfactory. Everybody's so close. The 16 teams are that make the playoffs are, Almost always. I mean, if you if you finish as the number one seed, you get a wild card team, so you're not going to have to play a super great team. Other than that, you know, you're, you're we're we're talking a few points different between everybody. Like, is is Boston that, you know, you know, so, so Toronto would be playing who like Pittsburgh instead? Maybe. I mean, Philadelphia's been on fire this the second half. It's, it's is is the difference between Philadelphia and Boston really that big? Yes. I think I so. I is. think so. I'd rather I'd rather spend six games shooting on Peter Morazic than six games shooting on Tuga Rask. But that's I'd rather go out against um, 
Andrew McDonald for 20 minutes than Zidane Chara and Charlie McAvoy. Well, but. Put, put it this way, right right now, if the playoffs started and we had a one versus eight, the Leafs would be playing Philadelphia instead of Boston. Maybe that's the big jump where you say that that's mm-hmm. a big difference. But Washington wins their next game. They move ahead of Toronto, and then Toronto will be playing Pittsburgh. So is that, would you rather play Pittsburgh or would you rather play Boston? Now we're into the, you know, I don't, I, it's, it's at the end of the day, you want to win the Stanley Cup. You got to go through all these teams. Maybe getting a slightly easier first round matchup is better. Sure. And, you know, that's not nothing. Like I say, losing, if, if you lose in the first round, it, you know, but nobody's, nobody's losing a Stanley Cup because of this playoff format. At the end of the day, you got to get to where you got to get to. It doesn't bother me as much as it bothers a lot of people. See, it's because you're a Leafs fan. You haven't you haven't had the heartbreak yet. You've been out of the playoffs for so long that you've forgotten what it's like to get screwed. I think you'll change your tune if Boston somehow beats Tampa or Tampa beats Toronto in the first round. But I hear you. I, what's, what's your ideal format like? What, would you would you keep this? Would you go one eight? Would you go one sixteen if you could? Or you know what? I think I think at this point, I, I yeah. I mean, one sixteen. I. I love just it. I, I don't love think it works because oh, of so good. I love it. I don't think one. I, I don't think it works because of the travel, and, and and not even just because of the travel, but because of the complaining about the travel. Because what you'd have is, you know, some team Washington finishes as the two seed, but they end up having to play San Jose, and then they win that series, but they lose in the second round, and they're going to be like, "Well, we were tired because of the travel." It'll just become the new excuse, and uh, uh, tough. So tough. I don't care. It, here, here's what I would like. I, I'm at the point now where I was good with with the current format. I'm still good with it. If if you want to, if if people feel strongly they want to go to one versus eight in the conference, fine. But I'm I don't feel like that's a major improvement. But I'd be fine with that. The one thing I would like is do whatever you do. When you get to the final four, you reseed, and we can go cross conference if we need to, which means we can have a Stanley cup final with two teams from the same conference. If that's the way it works out. Okay. That's so fair. I like, yeah, that. I, I, you know, that and, was, that and, was going to be the divisional thing too, is was, was when we got to the third round, they were going to, they were going to recede, but then they voted against that because God yeah. forbid this. League I, I would, be fun. maybe the best scenario is do one versus eight and then recede when you get to the final four, which means you can have crossovers, which means in theory, it would even be possible to have two teams in the same division playing for the Stanley Cup, which means you could have Pittsburgh, Washington in the Stanley Cup final or Toronto, Montreal, or, you know, whatever, pick your, you know, your, your two Edmonton, Calgary, whatever your, your rivalry, you'd at least have a shot that, that those two teams could play in the final. And, and I know that you know they well what if it's two california teams what if it's two teams and well what, what if it is you know be cool we, be great yeah great it's not like i mean it's not like you're they're you're gonna start every game at 11 o'clock at night you're still gonna force them into a right eastern friendly start time so that's that's what that's how i would like to see it done because there's no like the nhl isn't major league baseball where there's an american league and a or or the nfl where you got afc nfc and there's some history as to why those are two different things it it, the NHL it's just geography mm-hmm. so why why not you know and and if you're yeah maybe you get two California teams or maybe you get two you know Vancouver and Edmonton and everyone's like oh that's terrible rating but maybe you get Pittsburgh and the Rangers or maybe you get you know some some fantastic matchup that's going to do killer ratings that you wouldn't otherwise get 
and at least you'd have a chance at a final where there's some history between the two teams instead of the kind of like Pittsburgh San Jose Pittsburgh Nashville matchups where there's really nothing nothing to go on at all so that's my ideal format I like it I'm on board done motion carried um bottom of the west let's do this real quick the last four teams in are San Jose 83 LA 81 Dallas 82 in the wild card Colorado 80 all those teams have played 69 except for Colorado which has played 68 and then you have Anaheim at 80 on the outside looking in St. Louis 79 Calgary 78 let's play a little prices right would you remove any of those bottom four teams for one of the for one of those three teams that aren't in the playoffs right now? Will there be a, will this, there be a am I making my prediction or your prediction? I, is this like what I would like to see? Give me give me give me both. Give me both. We'll do some mailbags. I, did, I actually did what I would like to see. My my piece on Sportsnet today was oh. my ideal playoff where I took not not just the opening all four rounds the ideal matchup that we could realistically get in every single. Uh, every single one of those rounds because right now with a couple of tweaks like there are some amazing possibilities like we could we could have a, a really incredible playoff uh, this year just in terms of the matchups but I, I I had one of them was I slipped Calgary in there instead of Dallas so Dallas fans are mad at me now so I'm going to leave Dallas in for my prediction I'm going to take Calgary out uh, who would I prediction wise man Calgary's the bottom team in this group, and they're five yeah, they're points. Behind, and they're five points they're behind fading. San Jose. And they, I mean that that was such such a tough loss to take against the Islanders on Sunday. You know, a team comes in that's lost eight in a row. You're on home ice. You got your goal. Your starting goaltender back. The other team's starting a guy who's played like six games in his life. And and you lose. You give up two goals in the first two minutes, and you lose. That 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 feels like the, that's the sort of loss that sometimes can break a team. The, the crazy one is St. Louis still being in this. Just hanging around. After, just hanging around. They, they basically gave up at the deadline. <clears throat> not not just not just trading uh, uh Stastny, but they you know they shut down Jay Bowmeister. They're like they're they're going right down the checklist of things teams do when they're done. And yet they're hanging right in there. And I mean it would be kind of fun to see them slip in. Maybe even wind up going up against Winnipeg at some point, but um I'm gonna say, is the is the field Colorado set? Anaheim. Yeah, that's what I think too. I don't, I don't know, man. Colorado's I, got the two games in hand, and they've got the the one the the other thing with Anaheim that really stands out is they don't the the ROW tiebreaker, the the overtime and regulation wins. They're mm-hmm. way behind everyone. Yeah. So when you say the Anaheim's two points back they're really three points back because they're they're not going to win any of the tiebreakers and yet at the same time colorado is colorado and i still don't trust them like colorado could rip off like seven losses in a row and i wouldn't be surprised but no but they're but they're i think i think we might be set like i don't i don't think san jose or la is going to really fall i that's usually what happens right i mean we we sit there and look at uh, who's going to move here or there and then Nobody moves, and it ends up being pretty much what we thought it was going to be. Hope Colorado gets in. I just want to check. Nathan McKinnon gets in. I just want to check and see. I want to see if do do Colorado and Anaheim play each other the Uh, rest of the way. I I want to say that they don't. They do. They've got one game April 1st, fourth last game of the season, at least for Anaheim. 
So where's it at? At Anaheim? It's at Anaheim. Anaheim's schedule isn't too. They've got they've got three at home. Then they go on the road, but that's three of their last four at home. But it's yeah, they're on the road for four. <clears> but it's the Canadian trip, so you've got the Jets are tough, but the rest are are iffy. Kings, Kings, Avalanche, Wild, Stars. They play in a in a four game stretch at the end of the year, all at home. But I mean, that's that's kind of your make or break right there. I all right. Push comes to shove. I'm I'm gonna say Anaheim right, steals I'll, the last. Spot I'll take Colorado. I'll take Colorado because I'm tired of Nathan McKinnon people yelling at me. So there, I picked Colorado to make the playoffs. Therefore, Nathan McKinnon's probably gonna get, get the Hart Trophy. So 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 leave me alone. Cool. Joe Sakic, GM of the year. I mean, boy. I mean, he he pulled off the deal that that got rid of Matthew Shane and brought back. Uh, yeah, Sam Gerard. And, and by the way, can we also just point out with with Calgary and this this kind of links into that loss to the Islanders. They don't have their own first round pick. The Islanders have the Flames' first round pick, and it's not lottery protected. Mm-hmm. Which I know you're talking like one or two percent odds, but that'd be man, funny. Talk about the nightmare scenario. I love how you, I love how you just sit around all day thinking about nightmare lottery draft scenarios. Yeah. That's all you do. That's right. <laughs> what is the worst thing that could happen to this Brian Burke controlled team when it comes to the draft pick they traded away? You're you're like sitting there just staring off into space, and your wife's like, "Sean, what are you thinking right now?" And like in your brain, it's just like, "Well, two point four percent, they were to win the lottery, yeah. huh? Oh, um, just just you know about our life together or something. Yeah, whatever. Sure. Um, let's do some questions and then get the yes. heck out of here. There's there's one right off the bat we should do. It's from M E capital M capital E. So this could be the state of Maine. I'm not sure. Uh, the question is. Uh, can you sigh less and make your podcast less depre- less depressing to listen to? <sighs> no, I don't think so. Like, I mean, we could try, but we'd probably fail. It would be futile, right? Like, what's the point? What is the point of even trying to be positive? You know, we're all gonna die someday. <sighs> anyway, thanks for the question. Oh, God. I'm just so exhausted now. You want to do any tired. more questions? I mean, I don't even—I don't even know if I want to just go home anymore. I might just lay down here in the studio and just take a nap until I feel better. Uh, hockey's just the worst. Yako Rutsu says, "If Ken Holland goes to Seattle, how many no-trade clauses and no-move clauses will they have after a year? Six or more?" Man, I, again, I come back to this a lot. Like, I understand people hate what Ken Holland kind of did towards the end, but. My God, the man, the man, the man has four Stanley Cups, right? Four, four. He's got four Stanley four. Cups. Four, four, and like we, we can't do a mailbag. Is it, is it three? But I guess it didn't. He come in halfway through when they won the back to backs. I thought he had yeah, four. Either way, he's got three, three or four. four. And but every time, every time we do a, every time we do a mailbag, it's like how how can we get Ken Holland deported back to Canada? Like really? winning, like being a GM who won the Stanley Cup in two thousand and two in the NHL is like being a GM who won like a premier league soccer title. Like it's, it's, it's about, it's like nice. Good job. Nice ring. Totally different league. I don't think it tells you anything now. I, yeah. Ken Holland boy, Red Wing fans would love that because he probably like grab all those guys. He'd, he'd be like, I want Franzen. Let's, let's make it, let's work out a deal to bring him over. Uh, Thomas Dolan wants to know when is the earliest a team should pull their goalie for an extra attacker when down one or down two? If, of all the things Patrick Waugh did in Colorado that were bad, the one thing he was good at was knowing when to pull his goalie. He'd do it with three minutes if they were down one, if he had the right 
matchup on the ice. And, and people are starting to do that. Like, cause this is the thing, like the, the math guys, I think went to work on this and they figured out that it's whatever the number is, it's much earlier than we thought. Like it used to be one minute was kind of the, maybe a minute and a half if you were two goals, yeah, it's but it's gotta be two, at least two. If you're down it's more like two. And if you're down two goals, like even three or four and which we've seen some teams do like every now and then you're, uh, like I think like Pittsburgh uh, against the Leafs on Saturday when they were down 4-2, they pulled their goalie with like three minutes left and then they threw Malkin Crosby Kessel out as a line. And it was terrifying. It's like, good luck. Like it was, it, they didn't score, but it was, I mean, it was like the Globetrotters and you're just sitting there waiting for them to, and, and then they called timeout so that they could throw them out again. And they, they played most of the last three minutes and it was, that was scary. You know what teams need to do more of is when they're down two. This is such a like a, a unique situation; it rarely happens. But if it's if you're down two goals with like four or five minutes to go, and you somehow wind up at four on four, pull your goalie and have a power play because you're probably going to lose the game anyway at that point. But if you give yourself a five on four where the other team can't ice the puck for two minutes, like yeah, maybe they get an empty netter and it's over. But that might happen uh-huh. anyway with three minutes to go or two minutes to go. I saw Lindy Ruff do it once. I think Dallas was down three with like 10 minutes to go in the game and they had a four on four and they were like, screw it. Let's just pull the goalie. And I'm pretty sure they scored on the power play too. So that's, that's my one thing. That's that... it. That's, that's the thing. It has to work the first time a coach does it. Cause if they get scored on and then everyone says, why'd you do that? And then it never, it never happens again. But yeah, no, some, some of these guys have been, I feel like, I think Dallas Aikens used to pull the goalie pretty early too. When he was in Edmonton, I think people are getting used to that. This is kind of like the, NHL equivalent to NFL coaches needing to go for it more on fourth down. Like right. they're just slowly but surely figuring out that, that they can do it. And, and now that Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl doing it, basically now every team next year is never going to punt. There'll be no punting anymore yep. in the NFL because one guy <laughs> beat the Patriots one time in a game. Um, we got any more questions that we should do? Did you see any that you liked? Uh, you know? Yeah, I did see one that I liked and then I – scrolled off of it so <laughs> that's what i just uh, did that's why i asked you <laughs> uh, oh yeah here's here's the one Corey hirsch asks in an elimination style shootout between all nhl coaches who would be the last one to score oh with the with the coach i mean ken hitchcock right i mean so that was my first thought was, was to i mean you gotta you you eliminate obviously all the guys who have played recently you know, like I, I'm pretty sure this would be the one thing that Doug Waite would be. Who's playing? Who's playing goalie? Or is it is it just like a league average goaltender? I guess it doesn't matter, right? I'm gonna say Garth Snow is playing goalie <laughs> on this one. I mean, it would so, have yeah, to. like if he, you know, Phil Housley's gonna be okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know, Hitchcock would be iffy. Boudreaux. Yeah, Bruce Boudreaux probably be. Those would be the last two guys on the ice, like seven hours later, trying to score a goal. <laughs> Let us go home. Call it a tie. Uh, I don't know. Travis Green couldn't score in breakaways when he was playing, so I don't know. He might be. I can't picture John Hines. Like I don't know. I've never. I've never actually watched. Like you know, how, like if you go watch a practice, yeah. you can watch the coach skate around and get a feel for his quickness. Yeah. I've like, never done know, that. They could all skate, but yeah, I'm, I'm trying do, to picture like do they have Paul the Maurice coming in and like going. <laughs> I could see Tortorella having a tough. I could see him like hitting the post on the first one and then just smashing his stick and <laughs> flipping, <laughs> flipping goals over. Uh, all right. Well, that was that was the podcast for today, for this week. 
Um, I don't know what I'm going to write about for Vice Sports this week. I already wrote a thing about Grayson Allen because they let me write about non-hockey stuff once in a while. It's fun. And I hate Grayson Allen. And I hope Duke loses. And I hope Grayson Allen fouls out because he takes six charges that end up becoming blocks because he positioned himself wrong. I'll I tell you, this is, this is absolutely true. I saw you linked to that so many times and i don't follow college basketball i had no idea i know I, I, in fact i didn't even know he was a basketball player i couldn't figure out who this guy you were talking about was <laughs> and i finally clicked on it and i was like oh college basketball i don't know any college basketballs and i scrolled down and i saw the picture and i'm like oh it's the guy who looks like ted cruz yes i hate that guy yes right like i've he... hated that guy for years and he... i was so excited that i was like now on board your little hate train I've definitely over retweeted that early this week, but it's college basketball. No one, no, I feel like no one follows me for college basketball, so like I kind of have to overdo it as opposed to the hockey stuff. But any, sorry, sorry about that. If you've seen it too much, college, but anything you're, any content that you're putting out right now that is not a fake tournament, like I know <laughs> the March Madness of sandwiches. Like people should just be so grateful that if it's <laughs> it doesn't involve a bracket, just be happy. Once we get the 64 episodes, we can have somebody do the 64 episodes of Biscuits, and then that'll be the bracket next year. Yeah. Uh, what do you, you want to sell anything else? You've already worked on the sports well, Speaking of brackets, I've got my, like I say, my, my perfect NHL playoffs that I wanted to do now because I know every time I get excited about a playoff matchup in the NHL, it ends up getting screwed up at, at the last minute. So check that out on Sportsnet just because you can get mad at me because not only do I have the, the 16 best teams to make the playoffs, but I've then got eat the winner of each round all the way to the Stanley Cup final so you can like follow along until I eliminate your team from the playoffs and then go on Twitter and yell at me for thinking some other team would be a better uh, a better choice to to go on to the third round or whatever so in a way you did do brackets this week after saying nobody should do I absolutely did but I didn't like <laughs> I, I should have <laughs> would imagine like a March Madness of hockey teams <laughs> 16 teams and we just play them in, except without the stupid play-in game for whatever. All right, go to uh, go to iTunes and and maybe. So right now we have 317 uh, ratings. We're a five-star podcast. We don't even have the little half star for the last one. So maybe if we get up to like 400, maybe we'll what we'll do like an entire episode of biscuits before the playoffs or during the playoffs where we're just positive, a hundred percent positive podcast. But like we need some incentive. I, you know, I need, I need the carrot in front of me to be positive because already right now I've been talking about being positive for like 15 seconds and I'm exhausted. So, so maybe, maybe, maybe think about doing that and we'll think about being positive positive. and, uh, yeah, that's it for me. So thanks for listening. And I guess we'll, uh, we'll see you next week. Like we always do. Right on. Bye. Bye-bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. 
Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.